Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. This Advent, we began three weeks ago uh, by hearing Andrew's response to the advent of the coming one, the Messiah. Andrew asked, Lord, where are you staying? What a great question to ask, because if the light had finally come into the darkness, you would want to know if it was going to stay. Jesus told Andrew to come and see, who then told Peter to come and see. Last week we heard Philip tell Nathaniel to come and see. And Jesus told Nathanael, you will see greater things than all of these. But the evangelist John also tells us that although the light has come into the world, and the world was made through him, yet he says the world did not recognize him. Jesus came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. Tonight is what we see. We see a majority of people refuse to see Jesus. People who who think they see refuse to see, while a blind man is called by Jesus to receive his sight, to come and see, both physically and truly, spiritually. Spiritual sight, faith is more, more real. But as he does that, he's now ostracized, he's kicked out and shunned. Now, when we invite others to come and see and they reject us, we, you know, we tend to take it personally. I know this describes me. You know, what happens when we ask our family who have estranged themselves from the gathering of God's people uh, to come with us, to come and see Jesus, and they reject us? John's account of the blind man receiving a sight is important for this reason. The reality is that the light has come into the world, but the world refuses to see him. And if Jesus hadn't told us this, then uh, that we should expect to be rejected, it's important that Jesus does tell us this, if he hadn't told us that we should expect to be rejected, then, then we either might despair, which we sometimes do, or we might start to, to change the message to, to appeal to more people. In this uh, somewhat lengthy chapter from John's Gospel, John gives us a, a detailed account of the man's healing, uh, and then an even more detailed account and, and somewhat, somewhat humorously tragic account of this man telling others about Jesus. We're told that his neighbors and those who had known him before uh, as a beggar were perplexed when they saw him, and they couldn't decide if it was actually the man that they knew who was blind or if it just looked like him, which tells you they didn't really know him all that well. But he kept saying, I am the one over and over, probably not just two or three times, but, but over and over again, he's trying to convince them that he was blind. And so they finally ask him, how were your eyes open? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, then I could see. And already it's at this point where people are starting to, to get a little upset. This can't be true. God wouldn't do that. It was the Sabbath. 
You know, what, what we might do at this point, if, if someone says something like that, well, God wouldn't say that. God wouldn't do that. Uh, either in our private conversations or in whole churches, what we might start to do is start to, to change the message. Yeah, and, and we say, well, we're not watering it down. It's the gospel after all. But that's exactly what's happening because in, in repackaging the gospel to make it more palpable, we turn it into something to, to consume. If what's being offered is not rejected by anyone, then chances are we're not actually proclaiming the fullness of the true gospel. The last two examples of people whom Jesus has called, Andrew and Nathaniel, in both cases, Jesus called them to come and see, and he said, uh, you're going to see great things. The way you view God, the way the, you view the world, and the way you view yourself will all change. But in repackaging the gospel, we say, well, you don't really need to change. You're fine the way you are. Here, we'll, we'll change for you. John's little side note of the good, or of the name of the pool, Siloam, uh, illustrates this, I think. Uh, he says, Siloam means sent. Really, a, a fuller translation of the word is a, a sending out, a, a gushing forth. Uh, it's a picture of the water. A Siloam was the pool of water that was created from Hezekiah's tunnel. Uh, so in the 700s BC, King Hezekiah was trying to protect the city of Jerusalem from the invading Assyrian army uh, under Sennacherib. And so he had his engineers construct an ancient marvel uh, that you can still go to Jerusalem today and see. Uh, they dug a one-third mile long tunnel from the spring to the pool uh, with an altitude difference of, of 12 inches uh, so that all of the water would remain inside the walls of Jerusalem and none of that would, would reach the invading army, uh, which, which they would have needed. They would have needed that water. But can you imagine, though, if Hezekiah had thought, well, yeah, the Assyrians want to kill us, and they're going to besiege our city, but, but you know what? They need water, too. All they're asking for is a little bit of water. They're not asking for us to, to, to open our gates to them. Let's just give them what they want, and, and, and everything will be happy, and, and, and everything will be fine. If he had done that, Hezekiah would have literally watered down his own supply, and there would have been enough for his own congregation, the people of Israel. And who knows, maybe the Assyrians would have found a way to go upstream and poison the waters, the drinking waters of the city. And so by protecting and reinforcing what they had, by keeping what they had, the water supply was so clean and it was so prosperous that it was called scent, gushing. Along. And sometimes we in our own families or, or in our own churches, sometimes we actually need to build up and protect and keep what we have. If we're not actually getting the gospel for ourselves or, or, or if what is coming to us is being poisoned, well, maybe it's time to, to make our own tunnel. And maybe we need to not join everything all the time. Maybe we need to start a, a school. Right? We need to be able to recognize those things in our community that, that aren't just uh, non-Christian, but, but actually antagonistic and, and poisonous to the Christian faith. The place to start in witnessing the gospel of Jesus is with our own family and our own church, and then spreading out from there as God puts people in our path to witness too. And God will put people in our path to witness too.
By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's what John records for us in the, the account of the blind man. All the people that God puts in his path to tell others about Jesus, even if it doesn't go how we might want it to go. Now notice at this point, though, the man doesn't really know who Jesus is. But he does know what Jesus has done. He's still able to tell others what Jesus has done, even if he doesn't have all the answers. This is an important lesson for us, too. Even after we've built ourselves up, we we still might not have all the answers, but we still can tell others what Jesus has done. He lived a perfect life. He died for the sins of the world so that he might make you and I see by faith. But even after the blind man tells them this, they they don't believe it. In fact, they take him to the Pharisees. They they want them to straighten this, this man out. But the Pharisees proceed to call Jesus a sinner. Now they're blaspheming Jesus because Jesus showed love and mercy on the Sabbath. They've already got their minds made up of who they think Jesus is. And they're not going to listen to anybody, not even a healed blind man. They are completely antagonistic. That reminds me of a joke my my grandpa always used to tell. He always said, I see, said the blind man to the deaf horse. Heard it all the time. Like a deaf horse that refuses to drink from the water that's there, the Pharisees still don't believe what the man, the blind man, has been saying to them. And so now they bring his parents And they ask his parents, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How is it then that he can see? The parents respond by saying, well, yeah, he's our son, and then he was born blind, but but we don't know how he can see now or who opened his eyes. Ask ask him. He's old enough. He can see for himself. And John tells us this, that they, they said this because they didn't want to get in trouble. They knew if they confessed that Jesus was the Christ, they would be put out of the synagogue. So the man's own parents throw him under the bus, and they refuse to stand up for their son and for the truth and for Jesus. So again, the Pharisees heckle the man, and over and over again, he simply tells the truth. If he doesn't know something, he says, I don't know. But he does say, one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. But still the Pharisees are so bent against Jesus that they refuse to see that Jesus is from God, and they'd rather believe lies than the truth. How similar to today. How many many lies is the world content to believe about Jesus rather than to face the truth? I've heard some, some awful and blasphemous things against Jesus and seeing Christians, including myself, to my own shame, go along with it. Because, what, we're afraid we, we might look bad, we might lose our friends, we don't want to upset family, or in today's world, very likely, we might lose our jobs. In general, we should be more bold, like the blind man, in confessing Jesus by our actions and our words. As Psalm 56 said, In God I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? That doesn't mean, of course, that we need to get anxious or be mean about it. Uh, But do as this man has done. Simply proclaim 
the facts of what Jesus has done, giving answers to those who ask and speaking the truth. And when your family asks you about the, the hope that you have, or, or if they ask you on Christmas morning where you're going, uh, or, or any, any other Sunday, tell them, I'm going to see Jesus. And, you know, if you invite them, they might actually come with you. But again, they might not. After all, the blind man is put out of the synagogue now. His parents shun him. And it might be an otherwise tragic end to his story. But it's not the end. When Jesus learns that he's been put out, Jesus finds him. He goes to him again. And he gives him something far better than sight. Something far better than friends. Something far better than even family. He forgives his sins. And he gives him life and salvation. In a parallel section of this in Matthew, Jesus says, Everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father in heaven. And he says there, You will be hated by all people, even family, because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. It's a promise. And he says, Everyone who has left homes or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. You will receive so much more in the life to come. That might not make things easier now when we're rejected by people, especially those we love, but it should give us a greater perspective. In the end, faith is only a gift from God. Only God can open the eyes of the blind. We can't do that. That's not on us. We cannot manipulate the message of the gospel but to save even just one person. The gospel, the word of God, is the power of God. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God. We cannot add a single ounce to its power. It is the power to open the eyes of the blind, to give the sight of faith. So may God open our eyes. May God make us bold to proclaim it, to speak the truth, and then uh, to leave the act of conversion, to leave the act of changing hearts and life in his control and in his time. We leave the, the changing of hearts and lives to God. God himself calls people to himself. And so we pray, oh, may he soon to every nation find entrance where he is unknown, with life and light and full salvation, that heathendom may be overthrown, and healing to the hearts may come in heathen land and Christian home. In Jesus' name, amen.